I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably be lost for words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words Betting Podcast. I'm joined as ever by Bradley Todd. Brad, hello. Good evening, Tom. I'm sure you're doing well after last week's result. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm recovering from a busy weekend, but it was definitely nice to... Uh, it was funny because we were so busy yesterday with the Super Bowl and things like that, I kind of managed to... Watch, like, I had golf the whole way through to kind of like support because we had the early start of the Qatar Masters and yeah. trying to watch Hishino get over the line. Um, and then and then Phoenix obviously just run late. Um, mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. So obviously Hishino, hats off to him. Like great Brilliant, win, yeah. just, um, you know, forty-five to one, good win. Um, and I thought he was really good value for it actually. Um, I thought mm-hmm. that uh, Cassard was good. Um, apart from he had a couple of errant tee shots, team where he got a bit fortunate. Um, but overall very good. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't have expected Hoygaard to play the worst out of the three, would you? And, and he did. No. Uh, no. It comes back to conversation we had last week, Brad, I suppose, that, that he's playing so consistently yeah. but not not got that killer instinct that he's normally had. So um I think we're kind mm. of uh, I was definitely nervous when Jameson went on that little tear at the end and Oh no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that eagle like tap in eagle, didn't he, on the drivable par four. And a little birdie. Did he birdie the last? He did. Uh, yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah, but he went eagle par birdie. Um, mm. And yeah, I was just, I just, and then Hoshino tried to make it even more difficult by leaving himself like a four footer on the on the last and need to make par. Um, yeah, but he, but he, he was holding them like for the most part. He was through the round like he was really solid, and you could see like he's you know four or five. I think it's five wins. He's on the Japanese tour. Like it, his experience sort of came in there didn't it because he's yeah. come close um, he come close he's had two runner, runners up hasn't he yeah. oh no yeah he has had two runners up yes. on the world tour already so yeah I, I just feel as though as we said it was going to come eventually um and it was was last week and you got him at a brilliant price yeah we, as we said to me like the upside of him is there and we just we just hope to strike yeah. right and you know look another day like, i was very very high on Frederick Lacroix, and that didn't happen. But like you, you, you know, that's why you got a couple of picks each week, and mm-hmm. uh, all played out well in the end. Tom McKinnon, yeah, touch upon quickly. Like he was there, but he just there, uh, he just didn't put his foot down. You know what I mean? It was just it like was he was just like treading water, like yeah. path. But I wanted to see him get a little bit more aggressive. Um, he wasn't giving himself many good looks for birdie, and well, still he placed. But I just feel as though he could have probably pushed for it a bit more. Um, he didn't, he didn't actually birdie until the back nine, did he? I think he parted. No, he didn't. And I think he did prefer that back nine throughout yeah. the week. It seemed to be his more scoring, scoring it, nine. He was, but he was a worry. I must admit, like when he when he made that birdie on ten, and then he made a birdie again on sixteen. I thought, oh god, like he can birdie birdie finish here and really crank up the pressure. Um, because mm-hmm. that's really possible on seventeen and eighteen. Uh, you know. Actually, Hashino birdied that 17th hole every day, didn't he? Um, yes. So you know what you could do there, and obviously then the par five. I thought McKibben would uh, would potentially, you know, bird or equal that. So it was it was definitely touch and go. Um, but you know, first and fourth in in that field is is you know good work. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, yeah, definitely. One one person on the flag, Brad, because this is someone you talked about. I want to say like. I don't know if he qualified for the Open or something. 
um and we were talking about Ampersand best or someone you've been talking about mm-hmm. for a while now um yeah. la- last couple of shows i've done with sky i caught, kind of brought him up and sort of said you know that brad's been talking about sam best over a while now and, and actually he's coming to fruition and mm-hmm. and look it's really solid mate doesn't he like he looks he looks he does yeah where I think he could i think he's a little bit like a almost like a mckibben maybe not quite what the potential mckibben's got at the moment mm-hmm. but just seems to be finding his feet and a bit of a flaw in his play that like if he has a bad week it's kind of 30th or whatever as opposed to missing yeah the- like he seems to be there or thereabouts, doesn't he? It's just that um, there's one bad round in it, and I think it will click like it did on the Challenge Tour last year. It was very sim- um, similar, and then it all clicked for him in, in Scotland. Um, he was sort of knocking on the door, but he was having one bad round, and then he went to the Scottish Challenge, and he got the win in the end. Um, so I really am impressed with how he's sort of, you know, took to the DP World Tour so far. And, yeah, I've, I've always been big on him. Um, and he's he's had, he has links pedigree like he, he did a lot of his amateur golf he'd he'd always show up in um, in Scotland um, so that's something to to note that's probably what you say about the in Qatar we always see um, links players show up yeah. so there's there's a little bit of that there with his tie 13th last week um, and yeah look, he's he's a great young player. Um, really good amateur so yeah he's he's he looks to be uh finding his feet quite quickly at this level I'm excited to see what he can do for the rest of the year absolutely and then i suppose we'll touch upon we won't touch upon we'll have, we'll have decent chats we've only got one um one tournament to go through this week but um phoenix open brad a couple of couple of takeaways mm. obviously the first one being nick taylor is a is a clutch god oh, um, unbelievable yeah <laughs> obviously it doesn't he, he gets himself in I looked at it and actually when he's been in contention, I think he's been, you know, within two of the lead like four or five times and one of them he had a two shot lead held on to it. The other one he came second after shooting a sixty six, I think, and um, you know, he come from free back to win the Canadian Open. So definitely once he gets himself in the hunt, he obviously yeah. gives it a go. And even last year at the Phoenix Open, he, he had to be beat by Scheffler, didn't he, as opposed to actually giving mm-hmm. it up himself. So um really impressive by him. I think he's the sort of player that I guess the point would probably be gone now. I mean, well, saying that, the odds suggest otherwise this week. But um, maybe just someone that's a little bit overlooked in the market each week because he's not this kind mm-hmm. of flashy guy. But um, good point. I can't remember who it was on Twitter. So I'll, house money it was on Twitter. Um, yeah. Pointed out that, and I think he'd put this on his Discord and things like that and then sort of pointed out at the end of the week, which is fine. Um that Nick Taylor had basically gained on his approach in the first four events of the year. And the last time he'd done that, he won the Canadian Open and things like that. And I think that's really important. If you've got the time yeah. to get in the weeds about that sort of stuff, there is definitely a paralysis by analysis. That's a great find. Yeah, fair yeah. play. And and also his last and his his last win, Canadian Open, came off two missed cuts yeah. again. So I, I think it's just it's just when you can pick up these things about people playing well, which I think will come on a couple of players in a bit. Um but, you know, the, the results might not be exactly what you want from mm. them or whatever. But we always sort of seem shocked by people, don't we? And even like Charlie Hoffman yesterday, we sort oh, of come out. Yeah, and I was messaging you, wasn't I, mate? I, was, I absolutely felt for him. I was like, as soon as Burns couldn't win, I was I was cheering yeah. him on. I really was. And, and I think like we both sort of said, you know, I know where, how can, how can you pick Charlie Hoffman? I would never, I, if I had it 100 times over 100, I never would have picked him. Um, <laughs> Me too. But... When you actually look back at it, you, you listen to him and he sort of says, oh, you know, I'd had a couple of odd rounds that, that, you know, the signs were there sort of thing. And it's amazing, actually, when you look at it, you know, retrospectively, 
they were like i mean it only needs them to feel like it but like you go to the sony open he had a final round 65 second round 67 when he was at the amex um he had a second round 60 uh, sorry the the farmers insurance open he had a second round 67 he was in 10th place after two uh rounds and when you go back even to the end of last year he finished 13th for the rsm and third round 62 final round 65 so there was obviously even open around 65 Bermuda. So I would never have picked it. I'm not, not even trying to say that. But actually, the method to the madness of when we think that these things are coming out of nowhere, I guess for every case that we can make for a Chris Kirk or, a, um, or whatever, there's probably one to be made for these kind of players that have won at that sort of level before. Um, or certainly someone like Hoffman that absolutely loves the Phoenix Open. So yeah. uh, probably one of those. I think sometimes I get caught up in night. I don't want to just pick people that are long shots for the sake of being long shots and need to almost over justify long shots um mm-hmm. i think sometimes we, you probably should just have a bit of a deeper look at people so um yeah. look, you've got us what is, what is it 80 man field this week or whatever i'd probably give everyone a bit of due diligence you know what i mean like it's it's yeah. only one tournament this week it's probably worth diving into the weeds so um yeah that was kind of my takeaway brad what did you think of i guess two players that were kind of close to us which was the Gala obviously struggled on the on the Saturday mm-hmm. Sunday and then and then Sam Burns different ends of the scale I guess but yeah. first on Fagala a bit disappointing very disappointing I thought that his uh he sort of lost his head a little bit um obviously he was cruising going into the weekend and kind of stalled um especially um his bunker game was it cost him uh, in the final round like he I think he he overshot the green twice. I thought two fairly simple bunker shots. Um, massive swings as well. One of like one massive of- swings. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Um, I, I don't know, but it, it, it just it cost him, and I think he lost his rag a little bit. Um, but he was still fighting. He was still making pars. I just just didn't just didn't come did it. It just didn't come, and I just feel as though like, we expect more because he's such a, a talent. But he'll probably go. Hopefully, he goes again well this week because I, I do like his chances yeah absolutely look i think with sam burns completely different shoots seven under on the final day and fair to say brad that actually left a couple out there as well so could have been nine under ten under round on in yeah and that would have been you know i think it on the par five at the start um he missed a six footer um i think he he kind of had another couple of short parts on the broadcast that he missed i think it was eight he had like a three footer and he missed that um you know, it's it's mm. essentially like, look, okay, you play, re- you know, you can't ask for much more than someone shooting seven under. And on the other hand, you're like, well, actually, oh, it should have been lower for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, so I think in that sense, it, it's a good, good mm. song. Um, and I think we've sort of been saying about Sam Burns for the last couple of weeks that looks like he's, you know, really dialed in and, and improving. Yeah. So. I, I really liked his attitude as well. Like, even if he did miss like a, a part, I think he missed like a three foot of a par yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, three, four foot. And he still, he responded well. And his attitude looked good. He looked like he really wanted to have a go at winning it. And he's, he's been really solid for a, like the st- all through the start of the year. So I think his time will come very soon. Yeah. And look, I think, you know, Hoffman and Taylor, hats off to them, three clear of the field in the end. And even Jeff yeah. was playing so well, was three behind them. And um, look, we had, we had three players in the top eight in the end and, and just didn't get there because the brilliance of two players. So sometimes that happens. Um, it's been a been a funky old week, uh, year on the PGA Tour, I guess, with hundreds of minutes of Pendleton Plus every week. Um, sometimes they made sense. Sometimes they really don't. Um, here's what it is. I mean, we've had Grace and Murray win already this season. So um, Lord knows what else is going to come. 
But at least, at least you've landed one of them, mate. Yes, <laughs> you're just chilling. I'm very much struggling, just <laughs> taking my places, like just waiting for like normality to return to the PJ Tour. I think the uh, <laughs> I think the best thing is that you'll have that, and then you'll just pick like one, two, three in the PJ Tour, and then all will be forgiven. So, um, yeah, it's open. It's yeah, open. It's, I need it. yeah. Actually, I think let, let's go into this week because I think this is the type of week where I feel pretty confident, but. Mm-hmm. It, there's almost so many decisions to make and it's weird because it's like a 80 odd man field or whatever it is i think oh you know the process should be pretty streamlined and um things should be easier i'm never going to bet scheffler and rory at 10 to 1 and short so i'm probably not going to bet victor and Chauffelet at uh, 14 and 16 so then the questions start coming out at 18 to 1 and bigger so all of a sudden that 80 becomes sort of 75 76 then you start going down the bottom you're not going to bet chase johnson Grayson Murray, Seamus Power, I'm not going to bet. Um, Lee Hodges is interesting, but I'm not going to bet him. So you take all those out. Probably not going to bet someone like a Nick Dunlap that's never played here and, you know, so young into his career. So all of a sudden, Tiger Woods, I'm not going to play. Spoiler alert. Um, so it's actually an easier process. But by that token as well, you feel like you kind of have too many picks because it's a, it's a smaller fit. Uh, yes. It means I've got some critical decisions to make. So... Let's go into that. So Scott Scheffler 15 to 2, Roy McRoy 10 to 1, Victor Hovland 14 to 1, Xander Shoffley 16 to 1, Max Homer, Justin Thomas, and Patrick Canley 18 to 1, and then Colin Marikawa tops off the 20 to 1 lot. Um I mean look, I said I'm not gonna back Scott Scheffler and Roy McRoy, but any tempt any temptations back with those two for you? No, no, no. No temptations for the top four. Uh, I think Max Home has got to be respected, of course, but he's not. Do you know what? A lot of these players, they're just not at their best at the moment, are they? There's something missing in their game. Um, but at any point, they're just going to just show up and it's all just going to click. But it's, I find it very hard to commit to any of these at the moment. Obviously, Scheffler being the one um, who's just lights out yeah. T to green at the moment. Um, it's just, uh, he's the one, but he's 15 to 2, like best price. So... So I can't take that. I think it's Homer is the one actually that you look at it and think, what's going on? Do you know what I mean? Like I, I looked at him and thought, you know, this is going to be his year. He's, he's you know, another couple of players have departed and streamlines the rankings a little bit, and this is time to kind of go and make himself a, you know, continuous top five golfer in the world and pick up another couple of wins. And all of a sudden he started really slowly after finishing last year with Ned Bank win. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think I think he's slightly one, but I think coming on to someone that we'll speak about in a minute, like I think Riviera can kind of be the start of a lot of people's sort of seasons mm-hmm. like um yep. Patrick Cantlay and Justin Thomas Brad yeah I was actually quite close on Patrick Cantlay I've got to mm-hmm. admit I think 18 to 1 is a fair price even though he hasn't really got off to the the strongest of starts this this is his favorite course like he's, he's his hometown he, you know he, he grows he's grown up um always going to Riviera um and I just feel as though he's always performed well here. He's so due a big performance and it's pretty much a narrative pick more than based on stats. And that's why I sort of talked myself out of it um, because he hasn't been good on approach at all, all year. Um, T to green, losing strokes. So, it would just be a narrative. I just feel as though he is going to show up sooner rather than later because he is an exceptional golfer. Um, and I do think he's drifted to this, a, a takeable price at 18 to 1. I think it's a 
bit of value there. Um, but I just do think there's better value down the board. I really do. I just with how he's playing, it's too much of a punt. Um, and as I said, there's not much substance to it other than I do think that he's due a performance and this is a great course for him and he loves it. Like, this is yeah, one of his dreams to win here. I think we've said this a couple of times this season, Red Alert. We've, we've thought about playing some play. I think I said the exact same thing about Cantlay at um, either the Amex or Pebble or something like that. Like, mm. you almost want to play him because the, the sort of the odds and the, the narrative around him that week suggests that he shouldn't win and that they're only they're only 18 to 1 because they don't think they can price him any bigger as opposed to actually they don't they, they, they want to take him on. So, um, I think he's the one. Brad, that he could do the sort of Justin Thomas drift where he goes to kind of like 25, 33 to 1 and suddenly you have to play him. Uh, It would only take probably another disappointing week here before he starts entering that kind of 20, 25 to 1 range. And I think there will be a big turnaround for him. So uh, Mm -hmm. one to sort of track, I guess. Colin Morikawa wasn't really interested in. Eberg, I'm done kind of ruling him out and writing him off, but this doesn't feel like a course where I want to take on sort of a a maiden. He's Mm -hmm. a... I think every winner, all of the last 12 winners have played Riviera uh, twice or more before winning here. So, I mean, he, he's got to respect him. I think yeah. he could just turn up anywhere and win. But yeah, I, I'm with you on that. To, I think at 20, 22 to 1, I want someone. Yeah. And seeing Riviera, I really but do. Yeah. I do think, and I mean, his, his price can't get any shorter than it is, I don't think. But if he plays well this week, there's going to be a mighty interest in him for, for Augusta with the Riviera and Augusta ties. So um, if you're planning on betting, if, if you think Abel's going to have a good week and you, you sort of have a half an eye on him for Augusta as well, you might want to put that kind of in your, mm-hmm. um, you know, in your bet slip at the same time. I'll, I'm not going to ice back an Aberg at 20 odd to one for, for the Masters on his first go, but um, right. if he plays well this week, then, then he'll show you can kind of do that. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's kind of that of the players we're not betting. Um, here's the conundrum for me, Brad, um, and it comes between Sam Burns and Tony Finau for me um, mm-hmm. as, as the one that I've, I've got to I've got to drop one. Um, this, this is the this is the position Top I'm one. in. Um, I'm in this position. I think I think I'm going to go with Sam Burns, Brad, but you you lead us off with your kind of pick. Yeah, I, I just think I just think he's worth sticking with um, yeah. this week. Uh, he, he had another decent week as we touched upon earlier. The Phoenix Open finished third. Uh, he finished really strong. Round of 64 yesterday, got himself in the mix, missed a good couple of opportunities as well. Um, he nearly gained four strokes tee to green in that final round, um, and his Bull strike in general was excellent all week. He ranked first. Um, just waited too long for the putter to warm up in round four. And even then, like it wasn't that warm. Um, mm. But yeah, I really liked what I saw yesterday. As I said earlier, like he had a determined look about him and the way he's playing recently. He look, he does look poised to win soon. Um, but he has uh, a volatile record at Riviera. Uh, he's, he's missed a cut three times out of five. Um, although... He has finished third um, in the past and he was actually leading going into the final round as well. Um, so, yeah, I think he can draw upon that experience this week. And we know, as we've said the last few weeks, he, he knows how to win. He's on the cusp of the elite. I think a, a win here would be a really big statement and I think he can do it. 
Yeah, it's just funny with Sam Burns. For some reason, I had it in my head that he played here, played well here a couple of times. So the, the year that he finished 23rd, I thought was the year that he was in contention because Scott won it. And for some reason, I had it in my head that that's when Burns played well. Um, it wasn't. It was the following year in 2021 when he finished third, as you said, 54-hole leader there. Um, and Max Homer won. Now, I think I think for me, it is such a volatile thing for him. But, and, he, and it's weird. It's, I don't know if he's almost put himself under too much pressure to perform well here after that because he come third that year. Then he's done all of his winning since then. So he won the Valspar you know, in May that year, and then it's gone on to win another four PJ Tour events. I don't know if he's just come here going, look, this is where I was close and, and had the chance to get my first win. Now I should go and do it. And I don't know if there's almost a little bit of a mental block there. So that would be the one concern. And then for me, I'll go into Tony Finau. So this is why the, the kind of decision's agonising for me, and, and I still mm-hmm. haven't actually officially made it yet. But for me, the, the Finau argument for... Is I just think he's really bumbling, bubbling under the surface at the moment. I, I think you yeah. talked a couple of weeks ago about um, him doing this, and I wasn't. I think I said to you about selling me on him, and and you obviously did. And look, he was he was 38 for the century, second round 66, which was positive. Um, fine at the Amex 68, and then three rounds of 67. Finished sixth at Tory Pines, um, which we know he obviously loves. And then 47th at Pebble Beach, where I think he would have climbed again if he had an extra round. He was certainly going mm-hmm. that. But I think yep. it's that is Brad, and we look about these kind of clear indicators of players. Second and tenth, the last two starts in strokes gain approach, and mm-hmm. second and sixth in uh, tee to green. I was surprised he didn't play yesterday or last week. Like yeah, I was as well. That I was, was one thing. I just wonder why he didn't play that. Um, I don't think that's, there's any problem there. It might just be doesn't it might just be dearie. Might just put more focus on this event. You yeah, know, better preparation. Not happy with Pebble Beach for whatever reason. I don't know. I think he's, I think he's had a he's had a result by not having that really drawn out weekend. Um, but yeah, the yes. ball striking's there for Fino, and th- and that's the promising thing. And actually, I don't even think the putting is terrible. I think it's just not quite good enough at the moment against contention. So yeah, um, I think both uh, are fantastic options this week, Fino and Burns. I, I really like both of them. So that's where I'm sitting at the moment. I think I think I'll lean with Burns. I just think he's just proven to be a little bit more kind of deadly, get the job done. Yeah, just just the final round. It's such it took Finau so long, and then he kind of racked off a couple. But but Burns, once he did it, just kept doing it. And I think that's the um, that's the difference with them at the moment. But they're definitely both in my mind. And if one of them wins, and I don't take the other. I'll be pretty disappointed. But um, the first mm-hmm. person definitely taking. So there's no kind of question with me here. Is Adam Scott at 33 to one, seven places? He was 40 to one when we were sort of talking about him earlier. Yeah. Um, I just, it feels like Adam Scott is doing what Adam Scott did throughout the whole of, entirety of his career, right? I think he's just got back to hitting the ball really well, playing mm-hmm. consistent. The, the finishes that he's putting together. Look, he was never this. It's unfair to not call him a prolific winner because he's obviously won a bunch, but he was never one. Oh, that... No, he wasn't though. Yeah, no. you're right in saying that. Like he had many, he had so many other opportunities, didn't he? Yeah. Where he could have won. Like he's 14 time PGA Tour winner, and you think that's actually you know, <laughs> he could have won a lot more. He should have won. Um, so that that's as if it needs to know about Adam Scott. Um, and I, I think now he's just doing exactly that kind of form that he's just shown throughout his career. Like he's going to turn up at a tournament. He always just play a light schedule. He turn up at the tournament, finish inside the top 10, 15, and then go on his way. And you yeah. sort of have to take a price on him every week if you want to take a chance on him. And I think that's where we're at now with Scott. I think he's 
he's been so consistent now going back all the way to kind of the end of 2013 last six starts he's finished outside the top 10 once and he was 20th at Pebble Beach that week um yeah and he was getting better as well wasn't he and that final round would have suited him because you were on him weren't you I I was on him that week yeah I was the rain camp but look fifth sixth fourth uh to finish off 2023 which look you should expect when it was fifth at Bermuda and sixth and fourth in the in the Aussie events but then if that was all it was, then you'd say, OK, well, it's just Adam Scott. But seventh at the Divide Desert Classic, comes over to Pebble Beach 20th. And then last week, again, eighth at the Phoenix Open, where, you know, I think he's been relatively hit or miss. Like, I don't think he's been excellent there every single year. So he then comes to a golf course. He's got two wins, one of them not official because uh, 36 holes, but two runner-up finishes as well. Fourth, seventh, tenth, eleventh, 17th. There's a real flaw to Adam Scott's performances at Riviera where you're yeah. always expecting him to make the weekend. It's just how much he can kind of make a run of things. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, he's made what his last 10 cuts in a row here, maybe nine or 10. Um, I just feel very strongly about him. He was obviously 65th here last year. It was disappointing, but he wasn't the Adam Scott that he is this yeah. week. And and the ball striking's there. And that that's ultimately the main thing with Adam Scott, 17th, 12th. And third, his last three starts in strokes gain approach and 18th, 8th and 10th in tee to green. So for me, if you're ever going to play Adam Scott, I would do it now. And on that note, talking about Aberg earlier with the Masters, Adam Scott's 100 to 1 for the Masters. He's he's severely struggled there since winning. Like, mm-hmm. I want to say severely struggled. It's, it's, it's almost, it's like a Danny Willett, Sergio type struggle where they have one or two good rounds to get them through the cut and then don't really feature that is a big price. That's massive. Like I don't. If he wins this, especially with just the cor- like that, this is oh, when yeah. it into my head because of correlation of Riviera and and Marston mm-hmm. with, with Bubba and things like that. Like because there's such a strong correlation with it. As soon as someone wins at Riviera, it's going to be right. Can we bet for the Masters? Oh, exactly. Everyone jumps on, don't they? Yeah. He's, he's almost a hundred to one across the board. Uh, and I love I love betting Adam Scott at the Masters as well. I literally do it most years. Williams <laughs> on the bag. So I think if you're going to bet Adam Scott this week, I think you double down and put someone on for the Masters mm-hmm. as well. Now we could get to the Masters. He's absolutely shit by them, but that he won't be hundred to one of his yeah. back years. Now uh, he'll come into the week kind of. No, no I agree with you, what you're saying though. Like he is looking much more like his old self, isn't he? Like he really is. Like his ball striking is excellent and. Yeah, look, this is his, one of the best courses for him. It's proven that over the years. So, yeah, great week to take Adam Scott. Yeah, I'm in. So, I think I'm going to also take a chance now, 100 to 1, hoping that I think it was about this time. Oh, sure yeah, I like that a lot. For the PGA. So, I think that's where I'm going with that, looking for some value. The first person I messaged you about this morning, Brad Wills at a Taurus with a question mark. Um, <laughs> I think he's kind of proven he's fit. Uh, but he is still playing a light amount, which suggests he's got to pick and choose where he plays, which is not the greatest yes. of signs. And the other thing, Brad, I was really cons- not concerned about, but like disappointed about it. 33rd and 38th in strokes can approach and 30th and 21st and tees green on those starts. Now, obviously a bit of rust. I was obviously injured and all those sort of things. But I guess what I would want is if I to feel really confident about Tavis is he's had a top ten strokes going to yes. around already. Um, Spot on, mate. Yeah. Exactly that. Yeah, that's what's stopping me. You need to. I think you need to see that. Obviously, this is a great course for him on yeah. paper. Like of Will, Will Zalatoris of old, you yeah. know, before his injury. But I just like I said to you this morning, I think it might just come too soon. Um, and I no doubt 
he'll be building himself up to a good performance soon. But it, I, I don't think it's going to be this week, personally. No, agreed. So that was where I've not gone again. I'll keep talking about people I'm not betting. But the one the one for me where I went back and forth on it and then decided I'm happy with it is um, Wyndham Clark, who is 40 mm-hmm. to 1 in seven places. Now, we had a bit of a discussion earlier, um, just sort of saying whether he was overlooked or overrated in the market sort of thing. And I think we, we sort of gave reasons for and against in both aspects. Um, mm-hmm. He was obviously over, overpriced in Pebble. I mean, there's there's no question about that. And whilst he was probably fortunate that there wasn't a final round, because I doubt he'd have followed up that that 60 in tough conditions. Um, the, the one thing I take from that is actually he didn't have the stress of trying to win. So when you look at it and go, well, you know, he had to, he had to really grind it out to win it might take him a few starts again before he can really get in the mix it, mm-hmm. he was one like he shot his round of 60 easiest round of his life and then didn't have to do anything just waiting for the rain so um i kind of like that aspect to it and then the last three starts 10th 20th and 11th in strokes gain approach um and then fifth seventh and 36th and t to green obviously had a poor final round last week brad which he did yes yeah no, he, he lost it. I think that's just mainly down to the putter, though. I think, yeah. Um, yeah so, but his ball striking has been really good, and this is a, this has been a good course for him. It is on paper, isn't it? This over is the, the years, he's been so solid. He was solid here before he was what he is now. So, in 2020, when he was kind of still this guy that's 100, 151 every week, he was second after the first and second round. And then didn't didn't blow it, but he was he shot 72, 72 over the weekend, which is just not quite good enough to, to kind of hang around, finish 17. <laughs> Following year, he finishes eighth, but again, he was inside the top six after the first two rounds, shot Saturday 73, and that was what Wyndham Clark was, right? Like, there was a player that we knew had a bit of upside coming into it, but wasn't going to get yeah. the job done, and then last year finished 33rd. So those three starts here, three, three for three in May cuts on a really tough golf course, two of them top 20s, and one of his other wins come in at Quail Hollow, which is another classical test with a lot of crossover. I just felt like I, this is a week where I'm in on Wyndham Clark. And I say this a lot at the moment, like he's not someone I'm going to find myself betting every week if if it doesn't work mm-hmm. this week. I'm not going to get stuck on him. So I feel fine taking a chance on him, which is probably, I would say, his most obvious best chance for the rest of the season. Yeah. No, I can't argue with that. And as I said, like I think at the price, I mean, sit ranked player in the world isn't he currently <laughs> like, um is he gonna win back-to-back signature events yeah that'd be some feat oh, he could he could do I, I mean could do um but i think at 45 to 1 he's he's plenty big enough to chance he's not not one for me though this week I don't it's, just, it's just a gut feeling that i think we as a not not anyone personally but we as a golf betting community just don't expect people to follow up wins very quickly um and i think that's just the reason he's a price like i think if he was if he finished second and tenth coming into this he'd actually probably be shorter and that blows my mind when he's actually won uh, yeah, yeah. so yeah it's, it's, it's certainly interesting i think i think he's the one that whilst i i probably feel more confident about burns and fee now I think the value in Clark brings it into a, a sort of must bet territory for me, and that's why I've gone there and got to drop one of the other two. So um, yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah. Go on. Second pick for you, Brad, to to follow with the Aussie pattern, I guess, of Adam Scott. Yes, stick with the Aussies. Um, Jason Day. Yeah. Fifty to one. Is that the best price? Yep. Yeah. Six places. That's plenty big enough. Um, 
Yeah, and I was just surprised to see him in this price range. Uh, he had that excellent third round of 63. I think you were on him that week, weren't you? At yeah. Double beat? Yeah. Um, only for the event to be concluded after 54 holes. And I did fancy him. He's, he is the type of player that like relishes tough conditions if it was playable. Um, obviously, nowhere near was. Um, but yeah, I fancy he was going to go into that final round and um, get himself into contention. But even so, he's got that 63 in the taste in his mouth. And I fancy he could possibly carry over that momentum into this week. Um, he hit the ball really well at Pebble, ranking 10th, tee to green. Um, he excelled with his irons, which is really good to see. Um, and before last year, his record at Riviera was just appalling. Uh, he had missed three cuts, I think it is, and his best yeah. finish was 64th. I think that's from five appearances. Um, and yeah, he, he has sporadically played this event over the years. It's not always on his schedule for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, he finally got a decent result last year. He finished ninth um, and he was coming into this event in decent form. Um, he started the year really strong. Um, and I think that's the same as this week. He's had a good start to the year. Um, and last year he closed with a round of 65 um, at Riviera, which he's always, he's had so many rounds in the 70s. Uh, I think last year he, he had a 67 and he closed with a 65, which was best ever round at Riviera. And it could just be a case that he's 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 now worked the course out, like he's cracked it, because um, it is a tricky course. It's, it's very strategic, and I think experience does pay here. Um, obviously, we do see players come here and play off the bat, like play well, really well, uh, play well off the off bat. The bat. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think there is no reason why Jason Day can't play well here. Like he possesses all the attributes. Bundles of correlating form, like he's twice a winner at Torrey Pines. That's the another tough major championship test, and we've seen loads of correlation um, in results between the two, like similar greens and rough. Um, and he just has great form in California as a whole as well. So I, I think 50 to one is a really big price value. And uh, yeah, similar to Scott, I think they're both in a good position to win this week. To, yeah, uh, I think. I think the argument people have with Jason Day is like, oh, he's he's really struggled at his golf course and he's been 50 to 1 earlier in the season and that sort of stuff. But as you pointed out, Brad, like, never used to play it. So he put, so got on tour around 2009, 2010, right, and missed his first two cuts. He obviously just didn't like it. Finished 62nd in 2012 and went, fuck it, I don't want to play her anymore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> come back in 2017, finished 64th, went, no, fuck it, it's definitely not for me. Then missed the cut in 2020, but he actually opened with a round of 68. Um, shot a 76, and I'm like, oh, fucking, I definitely don't like this place. Uh, and then and then three years later, he, he finds himself in you know, a position where actually he builds from a slow start uh, and really finds his way. And I think what we've sort of said about Jason Day over the last maybe two seasons, Brad, I think he's evolving as a player. I think I think before he was very much like, give it a bomb, great touch around the green, streaky putter, that's going to get him, you know, that's the formula. And now I think there's just a little bit more kind of finesse about his game. Finesse, yeah. Um, irons and wedges dialed in. I think he realises he's no longer, longer than everybody else. He's kind of, you know, in, in the, you know, where he needs to be, but, you know, not so far ahead. Yeah. Um, that's a good thing for him at this type of golf course. So, yeah, I, I certainly think with the California angle, with how well he's been playing for two seasons now, um, 50 to one, Jason Day is a good price. Mm. 
that is that's where we're at with that um next for me is it's a couple of long shots for me here mm-hmm. um which is why i've kind of you know struggled with that bit at the top because i don't have six picks at, the, at this event um so i'll get on to those in a minute but talk to us about siwoo kim uh 60 yes. Brad, best price seven places very yeah. volatile player everywhere and certainly this golf course yeah well another volatile player and i think that seems to be the trend of my selections this week especially <laughs> at riviera they've they've all shown volatility and but yeah siwoo's had such a steady start to the year he hasn't missed a cut and he just looks to be trending towards a big week um in his last three starts he's finished 25th uh, 14th and 12th last week at the Phoenix Open. Um, he was also fifth going into the final round at the Amex. Um, he's, and that was, I think, is the only time he's contended this year. And he's, he's usually a dangerous player when in contention, but he, he closed a round of 73 to finish 25th. Um, but yeah, generally his ball striking has been solid. Um, he's gained strokes off the tee and on approach in each of his five starts this year. Um, and Jesse, we were at his best. It's always been known for his touch and creativity around the greens. And that seems to be back to its best the last couple of weeks. He's, he's ranked 11th for strokes gained around the greens in his last two starts. And yeah, back to Riviera. Um, he's, he's only ever shown up here once in eight starts. I think he might have a, a 30 for a 30 second where he got off to a good start too. But yeah, that's about it. Uh, the rest is just toilet, basically. And he, he finished third back in 2019 and that was coming off a good result at Pebble the week before where he finished fourth and I think again like he's coming into this week in excellent shape um game looks solid just needs a better week on the greens um and he's but he's twice finished inside the top 10 for strokes game putting at Riviera over the years so that's encouraging to see hopefully spikes here and we know the upside of Siwoo, he's, he's a four-time winner, bags of ability, he's not afraid of going up against the best. And sometimes he does make you pull your hair out if you've backed him and with some of the decisions he makes. But yeah, he's always an entertaining watch and I think he looks good value this week at 60-1. to Brad, last 25 starts worldwide for Siwoo Kim has failed to gain strokes off the tee twice, which is... Outrageously consistent, and then mm-hmm. in approach, he's gained every event this season. Obviously, yep. very good at Pebble Beach on uh, those two rounds there. Someone else, his caddy, must have been hitting his irons at the Shriners because he was he was terrible that week. But otherwise, <laughs> like his consistency in basically every aspect except for his putting has been incredible. Um, around the green approach off the tee everywhere he's been gaining for a sustained period of time now it's just that putter has struggled yeah, but, he's, he's spiked here in the past with putting yeah. like yeah i think he's finished fourth and eighth um two appearances at, at riviera well i mean i think that was back to back years um but still like he, he, it's, it's a possibility that he spikes this week you know and yeah. that's all he needs as you just said that's all he needs because the rest of the game is really looking good yeah i'm looking miles ahead thinking about the players about him already but yeah certainly it's one of those ones where if Siwoo kim spikes then you know good things happen generally speaking so yeah. really strong card there for you brad burns day and Siwoo kim um i think mm-hmm. it's one of those events where i'm going to completely contradict myself in the next two picks but one of those ones where you do want to kind of focus your attention towards the kind of top and mid range but 
I've got two, and they're both 125 to one. They're both seven places, Brad. Mm-hmm. And I think Tom Hoagie might be the player I get stuck on for the next few weeks. I, I say about yeah. being able to jump off people, but Tom Hoagie might be the one I get stuck on. And, and I had this little period just before he won Pebble, and luckily I was still on when he won Pebble. Um, mm-hmm. But this season, he just seems to have, or just, you know, 2024 in general, just seems to have found his game again. Um, 17th, 56th, 6th and 17th last four starts. His approach numbers, very consistent. Uh, 17th, 1st, 34th. No, sorry, say that again. 6th, 24th, 6th and 16th. Um, and then 8th at the start of the year as well. And then T's green, bearing in mind he's not the longest, so he's not going to gain massives off the T. 17th, 56th, 18th, 26th. So... Really and truly, Brad, Tom Hoagie's doing exactly what we want from Tom Hoagie, yeah. um, which is the main thing. And another player who, you know, could arguably say he's not managed to get to grips with the golf course over the years. But when he did, seems to really, you know, flourish. He was 39th on debut way back in 2015, which is absolutely solid. Uh, he was 53rd on his second start three years later. but He was actually third after round one. 15th after round two then he missed the cut in 2019 52nd in 2021 um nothing really to write home about there missed the cut again but then last year coming off of his um coming into it for probably the first time as a winner uh maybe the second time as a winner i think he might miss the cut the uh mm-hmm. couple of weeks after pebble but coming back sort of more well-rounded player i would say yeah um 7th after round one 12th after round two 6th after round three 14th after round four now up and down all week but it does take two or three goes around here to give you a look. And look, he's had five or six. So, you know, you, you could argue he's done. He's had six of them and four seems the best he can do. But I just think the way he's playing, the, the kind of belief that he's got now as a PGA Tour winner, it might only ever happen once. And I might be over, you know, overrating that a bit. But he just mm-hmm. seems a bit between his teeth again, Brad. And at 125 to one, yeah. he's a, he's a ball striking um player that that should suit his test yeah 100 percent. i mean we touched upon it last week didn't we like when we know that hoagie's at his best is when he's gaining strokes on approach like that is his bread and butter and that's what he's doing um it's only it's only getting better each week so yeah i was on him last week and i've jumped off so Hmm. it could be a good time to stay with him um he probably would be my long shot i didn't go as far down i haven't got a triple digit this week yeah um but yeah he would probably be my long shot as well if i was to absolutely the other one in that same mold it's not not my other pick but the other one i did look at like quite strongly uh emiliano grillo I just, i've been mm-hmm. talking about him on and off all season um more so probably on the draft king show because he just seems to make sense in that one but Missed his first couple of cuts here, then was 21st in 2022, 10th after round three. And then last year, open with a 68 and then just had a bit of a meltdown after that. But Grillo as well, 10th, 80th and 4th, last three starts in strokes gain approach. Um, 23rd, 77th and 11th. So there's obviously a bad week in between there at Pebble. But um, generally speaking, the ball striking has been good. And he's finished 20th, 14th and 22nd his last three starts, 7th at the Sony Open as well. Just feels like Grillo's found finding his game as well. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Grillo yeah. and Hoagie in that same mold of, you know, ball striking their way around it and can they make enough putts um, is the question. Mm, they gained over five strokes to to green in that final round. Eight yeah. under at the Phoenix. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Isn't it? So, yeah, I think both of those are in the mold of the player that you want. And 
you know, of the ilk of, yes, they've had a couple of goes around here, but could still have things to learn. And, and when they do, might figure it out. So um happy with both of those. But the, the, the full circle moment for me, Brad, is Christian Bezweden now. I think I've yes. talked about positively more this year than I have in his whole career, Um which seems a bit strange. Maybe I probably was maybe too harsh on him in the past, but now maybe going the other way. I don't know. But it's it's. For me, before, he was just always this kind of 66, 80 to 1 golfer who I never really felt like he was going to win and don't know why he was those kind of prices. Felt everyone kind of overvalued his DP World Tour stuff a little bit. And then all of a sudden, he's kind of become a really consistent golfer but isn't really being looked at. And I don't know if it's just because we've got shiny new toys with, as I said, gave you the example of Eric Cole. Um, uh, yeah, like yeah, you did, yeah. I like I think, that. I think people want, you know, Cam Davis is one of those. Bo Hostler is certainly one of those at the moment. And that's not that's not to say that people shouldn't be on those types of players. But that's the sort of player that I think is overtaking the Bizweden out kind of love. And mm-hmm. I now just find him at this kind of price every week where I think, no, you're you're slightly too long in the market. He was second at the Amex where he did absolutely nothing wrong. Open with 63, pair of 65s on the weekends to really put the pressure on. Um, and then obviously Nick Dunlap just, just got the job done. Missed the cut at Tory, which I'm not bothered about. It's not his type of golf course, I don't think. Um, 20th at Pebble, where, you know, despite the disruptions, he played pretty solid all week. And then 28th last week on a golf course, which, again, I think, I don't know if it was you, Brad, or Matt, um, that talked about not being a great event for him because he's obviously quite, you know, shy. Yeah. Like, just kind of quite withdrawn, and that would make perfect sense. So I'm, I'm pretty encouraged by what he's done. And then to back that all up, I always felt like, I've looked back at the stats kind of over his career and this doesn't doesn't really ring true, but I thought he was more of a it's kind of a short game merchant that got round by having this excellent touch around and on the greens and and actually when he is playing his best, his iron game matches all Yeah. Um and that's what's happening. Second in second, uh seventh and tenth in his last three made cuts in strokes gain approach. Um and again, yeah. like Hoagie, not not gonna gain massive off the tee, but thirteenth, twenty-sixth and nineteenth in T screen as well. So we're looking at a player that over the last 15 weeks, it's 13th in tee to green and third in approach. Uh, I think the classical golf course will suit him. He's only played here mm-hmm. twice. He's missed the cut and finished 58th. Nothing massive to him, but, but as we keep hammering, or I keep hammering home, whether you completely agree with it or not, but I think you do have to have these kind of two, three, four starts here before you really feel confident about your game. I think so, yeah. I think it definitely helps. I mean, we, as I said earlier, like you do see players like turn up on their first go, like Cameron Young and yeah. and Svensson and um, Victor Hovland, you know, they will just be ready to go. But I think a lot of the time you're, you'll find more so that players do need that two or three runouts, you know, per se, uh, at, at Riviera, yeah. I think the thing, Brad, the, the most obvious answer to that, isn't this the tournament where Tiger Woods has made the most amount of starts without winning? Like, yeah. if, if that player and that athlete and that the greatest of all time, let's call him, for purposes of this argument, cannot work it out, even at his peak, then we should probably give other people a bit of a leash. Max Homer, back-to-back missed cuts in his first two starts here, 37 four years later, and then goes fifth, first, tenth, and second. Like, there you go. It, it's an event where you have to... There's just so many nuances. Um, I think it's one of them as well. Like, when you get, like, a top ten, you're like, there it is, right? Yeah. And, you know, that's how you're meant to play the course. And then you'll come back stronger, and you're, you're, you're always, uh, well, on that experience, you know, but like, that is 
that is what I did right that week and everything else. And you can take that into, the, you know, the week. Yeah. So I think it's just very important to have that, like to have that good performance or to at least see the course. I think that you're more likely to go well. This is like, I mean, he'd had better individual rounds here than obviously Zween now has. So I'm not going to sort of dwell on it too long. But this is how I sort of identified Neiman when he won here is like, I just think he's he's had a couple of really exciting um rounds here um and then all of a sudden was capable of winning and it was a bit of a hidden form and you know i've just given the example of max homer there but Finau 56th miscut miscut and then finishes second 15th 51st second like it just takes a couple of years sometimes um and like yeah. you said i think the people that those exceptions sort of all of cam young Zalatoris, justin Tom, even justin thomas didn't have a top 10 until four starts into it like it's such a volatile golf course that catches you out and it's always that thing again another link to kind of the masters brad where oh you can't win around augusta unless you've broken 70 once there like it takes a while to figure it out um mm-hmm. so i think there's plenty of value as you've done this week brad as well with, with jason day and and probably with siwoo kim as well when you look on the face of it like you're willing to give people a bit of a chance if they've shown a bit of life there. Um, exactly that yeah and hoagie definitely fits in that bill because we now doesn't but i just think the way he's playing so well at the yeah. moment, striking oh, up, i just think it's a good course it's a good shot as i said to you earlier i'm waiting for my time to play him and i, <laughs> I might wait too late uh but yeah he's he's playing some really solid golf and he's, he's always, always on the short list so between that probably one to wait for kind of bay hill i guess like, that's where he played so well before isn't it but um mm-hmm. yeah let's see what sort of prices it is when he gets there but um yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's probably it, Brad. I think I think the overriding thing for me today would be one, if you like someone for this, and you sort of have a look at the Masters, I would probably consider like potentially placing some bets because someone like an Adam Scott is only going to dramatically. I, I imagine he goes from what hundreds one to sixty six to one in the Masters if he wins this. Yeah, um, yeah very much so. Like Jason Day would certainly come in um, if he won. Finau obviously would, Burns would, like all these players are going to naturally shorten up for the Masters regardless of where they win. But being mm-hmm. so here um, would certainly be a pretty dramatic difference, I think. So um, yeah. that'd be my thought. No, I like that angle. I really like that. Yeah. yeah. I think. Second thing I think is just don't get too like if you if you've got someone here that's played here three times and they've shot nothing better than the 76, then fine. Like you can probably rule them out, but. If there's a good player in there that fits the, the criteria, has played well at kind of Quail Hollow and California and hits her irons well, then I would I would certainly yeah. give them a chance. Um, I put a lot of value into recent form this week. I mean, people do need to be playing really well coming into this event usually. You know, it's a very demanding course, test all part of your game. Yeah. And that's that's why I couldn't get on Cantlay or yeah. a Morikawa or any, any of the, the others up the top because they're just as much as they can just show up at any given point, that just there's something missing. They're not at their best and statistically they don't look great. So I think I'd rather take a chance on the players that we've just mentioned who are, you know, playing well. Um, and yeah, that's where the value, the value is at, I believe. Absolutely. Well, look, Brad, we had a, you know, we had a winner with uh, Hashino last week. We had McKibben in the mix there and then we've had a couple in Burns and Thigala in the mix in Phoenix. So building mm-hmm. a nice little start to the year. Um, Good, good tournament this week. Really, it was really more just a case of you know you've heard us for what is it now 50 minutes saying you know there's there's X amount of players that we'd absolutely be on you know if we could you know have an ever evolving go- uh, card I guess but 
um mm-hmm. you know it, there is a, a limit of what you can do and that's it so yeah love this looking forward to next week already i think we've got what have we got next week on the it's mexico isn't it next week on the pga so it's slightly disappointing mexico, yeah um but magical kenya open is is considered sky's major in europe so that'll be oh, I, I absolutely love that event as well i think i think i might have the one two three in that one last year so big but do that again then, brad um i'll do, do my utmost best I'll do, do, my do that best. again back off off the back of a you know nice one two or one two three this week and then we can I could, uh, i'll just take a win to be honest at this point <laughs> you're, you're, you're absolutely carrying us this year mate <laughs> well, you have your successes everywhere else we we you know we we have so many you have so many tools that you bet on and so many you know things that you offer in different platforms that um mm. you know to, to really get your full value but you, you want to be signing up to those services so um yeah i think that's it brad i'm pretty yes, happy with that. well well summarized tournament looking forward to it tiger's back hosting the event um, and playing and uh yes yeah. what's, what's the cut again like because there's only 80 in the field isn't there I'm yeah. Well, I don't know the answer to that question actually. Um, let's have a look. 60. I've got a fair good bit. I think it's like only a 20 man cut. But that was the thing, didn't they say? Like, because last year it wouldn't have been, there would be no cut, would they? And then they've sort no. of, that, that was their answer, um, was this is what we're going to do. No, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think. Either way, does Tiger Woods make the cut? Yeah, I don't know. Um, That's the question. And have we got the make cut odds yet? We do. We do love them. We do. Let's have a look at those. Which is not. It's probably not the event for it though. No. Um. Is there definitely a cut? I thought there was. I thought I heard that there was. Yeah. I think there was plans to be. So. Yeah. There's no. I can't see any odds yet for the Mr. Cuts unless they're taking a little. Maybe, maybe there isn't. Maybe I heard wrong. I. 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 I don't know why I thought there was a cut. But they. We'll, we'll find out. There you go. Right. Here's a little part of the podcast where we're thinking out loud anyway. Um, we'll, we'll soon find out. Yeah, yeah. We will. <laughs> and we'll dive into those markets if we can. But, um, Brad, thank you very much as ever, mate. Um, Enjoy the Genesis Invitational. And uh, we'll look forward to next week as well. Just summarising our picks here for the Genesis Invitational. So, for me, it is Sam Burns at 25 to 1, seven places. Adam Scott at 33 to 1, seven places. Wyndham Clark at 40 to 1, 7 places, and then the pair of Christian Bezuidenhout and Tom Hokey, both 125 to 1, 7 places as well. Uh, over to Brad's picks, and it's Sam Burns again at 25 to 1, Jason Day at 50 to 1, 7 places, and Siwoo Kim at 60 to 1, 7 places.